How do? Thursday the 20th of June, it's one minute past nine. This is the big kickoff. Welcome to the big kickoff here on Lippy Sound 96.4 FM and on TuneIn Radio. Did I say good afternoon before I went in? I don't know. I wasn't Gary, did I say it. good afternoon? He has no idea. He's no idea. He's no one's listening. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> hello, 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 hello. <laughs> yes, it is uh, Thursday, the 20th of June. Jesus, uh, th- there is no break in football, really, is there? No. You know, you've got the Women's World Cup, uh, South America, uh, Copa America. They, now, the African Cup of Nations starting uh, tomorrow. And uh, before you know it, pre-seasons and it'd be all kicking off. It's, it's Alexis really? Sanchez playing a blinder. Ah, oh, sure. So is he is he playing for somewhere? Is he playing for a move, do you think? No, he's too much money there, you know. <laughs> yes, um, pretty much a bumper pack show. Plenty to talk about. Have loads of stuff going on this weekend, or this weekend, and obviously in the last week. Uh, I can't wait to talk about Jesse Lingard. What a great A moron. Um, but anyway, uh, we're going to go to a song. And coming up after that, who do we have, my man? We have Shane Smith from Kilmacud Croaks, who wrote an article there the other week for, well, last week, for the Irish Examiner about about coaching practices, really. And it's something that we've covered before, but it doesn't seem to change for whatever reason. from GAA, so it's a, it's a, a li- little different angle. A little different angle. Seen yeah. as we're, we're experts. We did say that last week. We need to get to what happened. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, so Shane to be in with us. And then, of course, we'll be talking about every other thing, maybe Michelle Platini, Going to jail, <laughs> maybe <laughs> Emilio or uh, Mialo Salah. Not Salah. Yeah, yeah, Emilio Salah. It's an odd one now. So. And the FEI falling apart, resignations, and potentially there's another release. In the a lot of jobs could go. Yeah. yeah. So nice. there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. What's song. the song? Okay, we've got the Black Keys and Low High. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Being a coach is a hugely important role in young people's lives. The effect on a young mind by how you coach and by your demeanour should never be underestimated. Shane Smith last week wrote an article in the Irish Examiner on this very subject and we have him in on the line. Shane, welcome to the big kickoff. Go on, say it again, I turned up the wrong one. Shane, welcome to the big kickoff. Thank you very much, lads. Good evening. You missed your whole intro. Dave just wrecked it on you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Shane, you hold uh, honours degree in sports science and health along with a master's in the primary education and you're a football coach with current Dublin champions, Kilmacud Croke. So there's plenty of experience there. Can you give us some background on your coaching journey so far? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm very fortunate um, that I worked as a games promotion officer for my local club, Thomas Davis, for four and a half years um, back in 2004, and that gave me a great insight into working with children in the primary school setting. Um, I just got a great graph for working with children, and, and following that, I wanted to kind of further my education, so um went off and did a degree in sports science and health, and followed that with, with, with a master's, and throughout those two uh, throughout my degree and my master's, I, I researched uh, gender difference in physical activity and in sport and how boys and girls exercise differently. Um, so it's an area I'm very, very interested in, and I'm currently a primary school teacher and coaching Timacut Crokes as well as my little boy and little girls on their six and under eight camogie and football team. So busy, busy. Brilliant. Jeez, the wife must love you. Absolutely. <laughs> Social media wasn't really a part of your life so until recently, isn't that right? Yeah, it's funny enough, I wasn't really I was on Twitter for news and that, but um, I didn't realise that there was such an interest in coaching children and the best practice associated with it. And only oh, maybe six or eight months ago, I started putting some small tweets out about, you know, what I think is the best way to coach children, etc. And they just got great, great, got great feedback. And now, thankfully, we have a, a wonderful platform on Twitter to. Um, get information out there to, to like-minded people and we get mostly positive stuff out uh, or, you know about best practice and what children enjoy and how it should be a child-centered approach the odd time I, I get well the odd time I get plenty of uh, direct messages around horror stories that we might see coaches asking children to do so the odd time I put a bit of a horror story out too just to highlight the fact that um, whilst there is really really 90% of the good stuff happening we do see a little bit of negative out there and we're just trying to eradicate that to give children the best platform to go training and fundamentally meet their friends and have fun so what type of messages did you receive like the horror messages as you described them because I, I've, I've seen I've seen one or two which uh, I discussed with you off air but can you just go through a couple of them because some people might act, who are coaching might actually believe that they're doing the right thing along these lines but it's definitely not yeah of course this is I think there's probably two types of, of, of maybe plenty of coaches but it's probably two people we see mostly coming in to coach children those who are retiring from sport maybe at 37 38 and trying to impart a philosophy that maybe they played at a high level so you're trying to practice philosophy of a winning mantra with the children who are maybe only seven eight or nine the five is we've got parents meaning really really well coming back to take say their just son or the daughter's team and trying to implement the training that they received maybe in the 80s or 90s which was probably based around laps and running and minimal ball contact regarding some of the horror stories i mean we're looking at coaches maybe just getting a little bit carried away with the whole professional aspect of it. For example, an under 10 coach looking for strength and conditioning for, you know, S&C under 10, it's, it's way too early. Um, looking at an under 13 coach ahead looking for GPS packages. Oh, an under 9's coach I know who had 40 children, he's down to 20 now because training has just become too intense and the children dropped off and we're just asking too much of children too young where we should be basing it around fun and games so look, for every set of problems there's always solutions yeah and, and these messages are the reason why you wrote the article is, or uh, were you were you thinking along these lines before um well i try and write as many tweets and even the articles that i do or interviews around the positive aspects of coaching um and the best practice and how we can 
rectify some of the so-called horror stories that we see. Um, 90% of the stuff that's done has been good. Uh, I suppose the messages that come in around the, the negative stories, and we discussed this off air, yeah. it just does irk me a little bit. And a lot of it, well, it's from maybe egotistical coaches who think that winning is of paramount importance to them, and maybe it is. But for the children, winning is irrelevant. And you only have to look at a, a set of children after a football match, and let's say in under 10 game, and they might lose 2-1 in a soccer game, or 3-2. And the coach could be livid after the match, and the children could be livid during the match. It's natural. But when the game ends, the children tip off on their own little merry way. They go off and play with their friends. They go yeah. on their bike. They play you know, football recreationally in the green. Whereas it's sometimes coaches, we take it too much to heart. When is it really all about winning? I mean, their role is to create a love of the sport, mm. not to create a winning mentality. And that, that's kind of one of the points I had here, like, and as you said about coaches and egos, like, from the soccer side of things, when I see it, like, do you find there's sometimes with coaches they're trying to impress other coaches within the club if there's a couple of them kind of together or in the same kind of training facility and they're not really thinking of what they should be doing to impress on the kids, but they're thinking more so impressing who's around them. Maybe um, maybe it's not child-centred coaching. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's coach-centred, coach-centred coaching where the coach thinks that they are the most important person. <laughs> we are nothing more than facilitators. And I coach a senior football team and an under-six and under-eight children's team. And I see myself as no more than a facilitator to go in facilitate the children, ensure they get 300 minimum ball contacts per session, ensure whether the adults or the children finish training, they go home saying, I learned something there, I'm very, very happy in that environment, and I'll go back. And if it's all about the children and the player, you're creating a really, really good environment. If it's about you, it becomes quite pressurised. And that's very evident when the children walk in the gate, for example. You know very well if the coach has it about them or about the children. The coach that's about them is quite intense. might have the clipboard out there with under nines. He could have more cones set out. He could have fancy grids set out. It could be all colour-coded. Now, that's really important, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Once it's done in a fun environment, sometimes coaches will see a pathway for themselves too as opposed to a pathway for the children. Yeah. So the pathway for the coach could be, say, a soccer perspective. I want to manage the, the DDSL Kennedy Cup team. I want to go on and maybe be an FII coach. I want to be a development officer. I want to go on and follow the path that maybe Stephen Kenny took. Maybe Jim Crawford took to go in there with Stephen Kenny as his assistant. So people are motivated in different ways, but I believe the fundamental motivation should be to have a child-centered approach to ensure the children have fun, meet their friends, and leave training happy. Do you think... Well, I'm going to tell you what I think. <laughs> I'm hoping you agree. <laughs> but I, I personally think that people are a little bit uneducated uh, when they go into these situations. And even I've seen UEFA A, UEFA B coaches who are very good coaches at the the older age so you go 16s 17s 18s into senior but when they drop down into a under 7 8 9s 10s 11s situation they're still bringing the same mentality down and they haven't changed their mentality uh, and their knowledge on what actually 
youth players need. And I would see an awful lot of clubs put up on their websites. We have an academy here. Bring all your kids from four or five years upwards uh, with UEFA A badges, UEFA B badges. And at that level, UEFA A and UEFA B doesn't mean anything. It's a different sort of way you're going to shape them then. Mm-hmm. Is that what you get along uh, from with Kill McCrud? Well, when, when you work with six and seven-year-olds, they don't really care what badges you have. <laughs> yeah. You're there to entertain them. Yeah. They don't really care what you've had in work. They don't really care if you have a domestic issue. They don't really care if you have other things on your mind. It's When we say child-centered, children are also quite centered, as in, I'm here, entertain me. Yeah. So mm. they don't really care if you have um, two FA Cup medals, three All-Ireland medals, or you're a level one coach, or you're a UEFA A coach or a B coach. All they want to do is to be in an environment where they can play with their friends and they're happy. So in that environment, say seven years of age, sometimes we skip phases around development. So we go into skills uh, quite early, as opposed to developing Agility, balance, coordination, run, skip, jump, hop, fall, climb. All those fundamental movement patterns that are so valuable. I mean, you look, you look at any player who goes up the head of ball, for example. The heading action is actually just the skip. Yeah. So to teach the skip at a very early age is so important. To teach the ability to, I mean, when you're kicking the ball around one foot, how important is balance? Mm. You know, so to to play with two feet, how important is coordination? So this running and throwing and catching is so important from the ages of five to nine. And I think we rush children into competitive action, and that means we're creating an exclusive model. And exclusive models are killing children's development. Yeah, and more and more clubs are kind of... Instead of the three or four teams, there's only the one team now because there's the guys who are literally just to have fun and they probably know the level that they're at themselves, but there's no home for them anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you very sad. And I suppose we can learn so much from bigger clubs in Europe and bigger countries in Europe. Mm. And we look at the, the Ajax model, for example, and Dennis Bergkamp have a wonderful quote, and he says, up to under 14, it's just play. Yeah. So Ajax up to under 14, simply play. It's all done with the ball. It's skill-based decision-making, peripheral vision, leadership skills, and developing players in a non-pressurized situation. And we could really look at that and copy that template. And Belgium has something very, very similar to them. So basically around early, mid-teens is when you would see the more competitive, more technical coaching aspect would be ideal then. Once the fundamentals are in place, and yeah. once we're not rushing fundamentals, and fundamentals are exactly how it sounds like fun, initially, yeah. in a fun environment, developing fundamentals. So if we look at Ajax and the players they produce over the years, right through from Cruyff to Bergkamp to Davids to Clive Clive Jr., these players are being produced in a non-pressurized situation yeah. where mistakes are applauded. And mistakes are encouraged because mistakes are the greatest learning tool we can give. Yeah, what did you learn? What did you learn? And we can look at, like, even Belgium, for example. In the 1990s, Belgium was struggling. I think yeah. they got beaten in the last 16. And there's a guy called Michael Sablon. Sablon, that's him. 
And like he set out a blueprint in 2006, and he analysed 1,500 games in real Belgium. And his, his findings are fascinating. In many of the games, children touch the ball twice in each half. Jesus. Twice in each half. Now, if we look at the 300 ball contact model per session, these children got four touches <laughs> in the whole game, uh, playing 11 aside. So they did something remarkable. They realised that the best games were 2v2, 5v5, and then 88 as you go up the ages. Yep. So the max they played 88, but they played 2v2 down low. If you're playing 2v2 for 10 minutes, then you're touching that ball every two or three seconds. Correct, yeah. So how much better uh, technically are you getting? So what they saw was they saw the coaching increased and the ball contact increased and competition decreased. Yeah, perfect. How does that transfer so to GAA? Very, very similar philosophy if we're patient. But I think we rush. For example, in GAA, we, you know, Fela is under 14. Hmm. And Fela is seen as a massive big competition. And children maybe are going into Fela feeling being pressurized to, to win and to perform because they get new tracksuits, they get new bags, it's built up. In fact, I had a tweet there last week from a coach who was quite alarmed. He said that there's an under-12 team in the club and presently the manager of the under-12 team has the children doing hill sprints, um, car park sprints, and general fitness work because he's preparing for sale at 2021. Oh my God, you're annoying me now. Not not you, but that is annoying me. It's happening. Unfortunately, it's happening. So he doesn't have a child-centered approach. He has coach Mm. egotistical approach where he may be talking and he could lose half the players well is that fun yeah no is that fun and now starting from the topic especially in GAA because there's a good many money in the coaching side of things with uh, uh, his own local team in in Hurling and whatever and the senior level even at club level sounds quite intense and obviously there's a bit of a a trickle down effect Uh, has it kind of rounded off now where it's not quite as intense or are clubs kind of kind of waking up to it going, are we taking a bit too far? Like, are we almost inter-county at this stage? Well, education is the most important thing mm. there, and um, education and, and research. And um, there's really good research recently around GAA, for example. When we look at movement patterns of GAA players at uh, senior football level, say, we, training is simply a replication of game movement patterns. Mm. Now, I never saw anyone in a game running up the hill now, so anyone in the game running a 200 meter sprint, now, so anyone in the game running a lap. So, if we are to get the best out of players, it would make so much sense to replicate movement patterns that we see in the game in training. And those movement patterns that we see are similar to soccer in a field sport perspective. You're looking at high intensity, multi directional movement. Yeah. So, in GAA, we're seeing a sprint of approximately six to eight seconds and then a 40 seconds recovery time. So, in my opinion, we need to base our training around high-intensity, small-sided games where players are maximizing the ball contact and the movement patterns are a replication of what happens in the game. That's what will get us match fit, as opposed to a more, like this deep-rooted fascination in GAA around fitness and running, when it should be around small-sided games, skill development. Is there, Shane, anything you would like to see 
the GAA, the the big boys at the top, and the FAI. Is there anything you'd like to see them introduce? Um, it's very it, it, it's very difficult to introduce a policy on how we should coach children, but because everyone has different opinions, and I'm giving you my opinion hmm. on how I think children should be coached. But there will be people who disagree with me and think that we need to run people's 200 metres to improve their cardiovascular fitness. They think that we need to get children fit. But our role as coaches is not to get children fit. We can't get children fit. What if a child maybe is, is overweight, for example, by running that child, we're not going to get a child fit. We'll turn that child off sports yeah. as opposed to getting them fit. That's not our role. So to answer your question, it will be very difficult to see bodies coming together to say, this is exactly how we want you to coach kids, because it's too broad. But what we can do as coaches is we can look at movement patterns of games. And I think, I mean, if you go to Crow Park on Sunday, or if you go to, 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 to Tallah Stadium or Richmond Park on Fridays, what you'll see is games that have high-intensity sprints with recovery time. Mm. So if they're the patterns we need in the game, it would make so much sense to train that way. And you won't only see that in stadiums. You'll see it You'll see it in Cork Park. You'll see it in Marley Park on a GA pitch or a soccer pitch with kids. They'll sprint and they'll stop. They'll sprint and they'll stop. And that's the way I believe we should be training yeah. um, training teams, both adults and children. Parents, obviously, can be a tricky one. <laughs> Shoot them. Um, <laughs> it probably be better if kids didn't have parents. Um, <laughs> what, uh, they're, they're, they can be a problem, especially after games, when I, I've heard parents, I still hear parents, talking to their kid about what they should have done, how disappointed they are. Does, do parents need to educate themselves a little bit as well, maybe? Well, definitely. I mean, you look... Um, Right, at the line of questioning, a parent will ask the child when they go to a match and they come home, the first question a parent will ask is, did you win? Yeah. Those line of questionings, tell the, those line of questions tell the children that winning is the most important. Could we as parents say to the children, where was the game? Did you have fun? Who did you play against? Were your friends there? And at the very bottom is, did you win? And then we're in a situation where, did you win? It's, um, Dad doesn't think that's important. Or Mom doesn't think that's important. So it's not important to them, but they're my first role model in life. It's not important to me. So a line of questioning with children is so important. If did you win is fourth or fifth, we're setting children up for success. Mm. Because success can be achieved every week by, did you have fun? Yes, I did. Did you have friends there? Yes, I did. Where was the match? Phoenix Park, I know all these things. It's a mm. positive reinforcement for the child. But if the question is, did you win? And they don't win because, you know, if we, wanna, if we think we could come in all the time, we're setting children up for failure. It's almost too simple, isn't it? Almost, but <laughs> it, it sounds like common sense. And you know, well, as Johan Cruyff famously said, and I've said it many times, football is a simple game, but the hardest thing to do in football is to keep it simple, isn't it? Absolutely, and the best coaches, I think, are the coaches who just simplify things and don't go up with 10 or 12 fancy grids and cones everywhere. <laughs> you know, here we are now, summer's evening, sometimes when I'm coaching, I walk out there, there's 20 players, you know, we might just pick four teams and we'll play seven minutes a match and we'll play five a side. Everyone plays each other once. And they give it socks. 
and they love it. Which is what, why do we think that like astro football has become so recreationally popular? Yeah, it's so enjoyable. We maximise our ball contact. Yeah, we play our players of the same level as us. We don't have to be there two and a half hours beforehand. Mm-hmm. We get there at five to eight. We finish at nine o'clock. We meet our friends, have a bit of fun, and go home. Recreation sport is very much underrated because it's pressure free, and it's nothing but fun with our friends. Fact. So, just if before we wrap up, we might as well, seeing as we have somebody on, uh, from the GA, it's in the bag for Dublin this year again, isn't it? The drive for five. Well, <laughs> you haven't. Well, I wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago, but have really? looked at the teams that were supposedly challenging Dublin, be it Monaghan, be it Tyrone, be it Mayo, and be it Galway. They really all started to defeat mm. over the last few few months, and I think Monaghan got beaten. We know May, we know Mayo got beaten by Roscommon. Mm-hmm. We know Roscommon then beat Galway. And um, it's very, very hard to know who's going to put it up to Dublin. You would still think Kerry are going to be the team yeah. who will put it up to Dublin. They won the four in a row. I'm sure they won't be overly happy in the kingdom that Dublin go and win the five in a row after they were um, they missed out on it by losing to Osley all those years ago. So who's Dublin's biggest threat this year? Um, I'd say definitely... Kerry for the competition in the Dublin squad yeah. is so big and um, it's a fantastic place to be for, for, for Jim Gavin and it, what, what a great time to be at Dublin because we often forget I sat in Crow Park in 2004 when West Meath beat us and oh, stop. Leach beat us in 0-3 I think and Kildare beat us so we're very we're very very lucky right now absolutely spoiled so long may it continue but is it healthy for the GAA Dublin dominating Leinster it is not no Listen, Jane, thanks very much. Um, I'm no doubt that we'll probably have you back on again uh, to discuss further aspects and maybe we'll see you in the paper and, and on the media a little bit more. <laughs> Try not get addicted to, to Twitter, all right? <laughs> it's a good and bad thing, everything in moderation. Listen, Shane, thanks so much for your time. Take care. Bye now, bye-bye. That, that was a pleasure. Anyway, we're going to come back with a bit more now coming up after the break. You're listening to Liffey Sound on 96.4 FM. Speaking of people who need to be educated, Jesse Lingard. Tell me, you've, you've, you haven't missed anything about him in the last couple of days. No, beans, I, I, beans, I, beans. I seen what the... What a goon. I seen Instagram, was it, today? Yeah, it's in, it's, sorry, Insta Stories. Insta Stories. Oh, God, I hate myself. Leaving the hotel. Yeah. Ian Holloway wants him sacked. Yeah, I think... <laughs> Listen, I do, I do think that there is a case that people want to have something to give out about because I don't. I was think, expecting the video to be really bad. Yeah, I don't think as it's. As, I don't think it's as bad as they make it out. Yeah. I think it's just he's been making himself look like a gobshite. I, there's is. nothing. There's, it's harmless. It's there's nothing going on. But he is. He's making. He he's he's 27 now. He needs to actually grow up. And it, that, it probably. I always say your outside life mirrors your on pitch. Yeah. Or your on that pitch. Says everybody. Uh, life mirrors your outside. He's bringing Rashford down with him. And he's just not, he's not advancing in maturity and he's not advancing as a footballer. Uh, Because he had another video about two or three days ago where it was like a a beatbox style thing but it was to beans. And he's just going beans, beans, beans. And then he's like, and Rashford's in the background giving it with him. Beans, beans. And I'm like, New Year's Eve, uh, if you want to go back, it's it's probably around somewhere, literally 12.01, it was uh, the first. And he, he had his new sound of 2019. Like, it was just a sound, like a mockingbird. Something stupid like that. I have my new sound for 2019. It's straight up, first one in. And you're like, 
26, mate, at the time. Like, he's just a tool. Um, and whose generation is he from? He's in Pogba's year. Yeah. You know, um, the, ugh, whatever. But anyway, Holloway was not happy. Uh, a lot of fans are like, oh, we need to get rid of him. We need to get... Probably not for the video. It's just an excuse to say they want to get rid of him because it's the type of player that they don't want to have around at the time. But another player from that generation who came out today in headlines, Ravel Morrison. Remember him? Yep. He went le- to Mexico. Yeah, but then he went to Ostersund, which, remember your man is a potter who came from... Yes. To Sp- that's his club. He went. He joined them on the 9th of February, went off for a little summer break and hasn't come back. So he is now... That's his ninth club in seven years. Um, 27 now and homeless in, in football terms. And Fergie, what did he say he could be whoever he wants to be? But Ferguson wasn't wrong about Pogba and he wasn't wrong about uh, Morrison either. Yeah. So it's funny because this kind of links on to yeah. this next clip that I want to talk about. We're ta- they're talking about Alex Ferguson and looking to take on Steve Walsh as a recruitment officer. I heard that rumour in the last day or two. And yeah. seemingly Woodward has no intentions. He wants to bring back one of the old players. Here we go. Interesting development back here regarding Manchester United and the structure of the recruitment team at Old Trafford. Rob Dorsett has more on this. Rob. Yeah, Jim, this is really interesting stuff that's come through us to, in the last few minutes, and more breaking news. And we understand that Sir Alex Ferguson is urging Manchester United to appoint Steve Walsh to mastermind the changes uh, they're aiming to make to the structure of the club. So that's big news, isn't it? Uh, the club's most successful manager getting involved here. You'll remember Steve Walsh was head of recruitment at Leicester City, played a key role when they won the Premier League title back in 2016. It was he who uh, unearthed the likes of N'Golo Kante and Riyad Mahrez. Um, but it's understood Walsh, who spent two years at Everton as sporting director, didn't have a lot more success there, was sacked last summer. He's been recommended by Sir Alex, and Sir Alex for a consultancy role at Old Trafford. Um, United are looking to overhaul their talent spotting and their talent development strategies. Interestingly, he was also uh, Mike Phelan's PE teacher. Uh, of course, Mike Phelan, the assistant manager at uh, Manchester United right now. This was back in the 1980s. Uh, Steve Walsh was uh, Mike Phelan's PE teacher back then. Uh, but it's thought Ed Woodward, the Manchester United chief executive, doesn't like the idea. He's much more in favour of bringing a former Manchester United player for a role that's going to focus much more on identifying young talent, setting out a long-term plan for the first-team structure. So whatever Sir Alex Ferguson is recommending here in terms of uh, Steve Walsh, looks like Ed Woodward's not going to go for it. He would rather see an, uh, a United old boy coming back to, to fulfil that role. Of which I heard one of the players, well, one of the names being bandied around was um, Darren Fletcher. Well, I heard the other one was Rio Ferdinand. Well, yeah, but uh, Darren Fletcher was the one I heard in the last week or two. So, uh, listen, he probably I, wants a lapdog. He wants a, a yes man for him. Oh, you do as I tell you. Steve Walsh will probably tell him what to do. Yeah, yeah, I, and th- that's a big problem. And now there's a push to get the Glaziers out. There's a push from all the Man United fans sites uh, to get the Glaziers out because, in, in all fairness, they're still in debt, hugely yeah. in debt. Yeah. There's no money being taken off the, the debt that they had and there's money being taken out of the club. And they're not putting their own Spon- money in either. Bigger sponsorships. So there's loads of money coming in and there's not money going off the bill. And now they're, the levels that Manchester United are used to, the standards, have been dropped hugely. It, like There was talk of a petition or something the other day. Some old boy in his 50s, or 60s, he was kind of saying he's moving away from the club and this, that and the other. And a lot of people who are moaning in the last couple of say in the last year or two I just I don't say it in jest I, I say it because sorry lads I've been here 
you literally sound like Liverpool fans in the mid to late 90s who are still trying to hang on to the fact that we were at the top of the pile. Mm. You're not there anymore, but you can get there quite quick, but it's it, it, relax, you know. Some people only have them 20 years. They've, they're spoiled. They have no idea that United, United were relegated in the 70s. You know, United have been a bit up and down, you know. They haven't all had it that easy. This happens. Relax, you know. But some of them are like, oh, I'm going to jump ship. But... The frustration, the ultimate frustration, I think, and even for me as an outsider, it's the way the club has run. Mm. Like United, especially under Ferguson and more importantly, above him, Edwards and Gill, they were the flag bearers. They were who every other club looked up to. Now, not a danger. If you look at them, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? Because the way they run. There's no connect with the fans, I don't think. Like the owners don't give two craps about them. Mm. Woodward doesn't seem to either. Um, they're making plenty of money and they're happy but the club aren't as in the football side of things yeah. um, that's what ultimately people would want Solskjaer, Mourinho whoever who cares who's the manager if they had a decent background behind them United, United shouldn't be in that position I think the Glazers are looking for a United that or a manager sorry at United that just Does quenches the fire and doesn't the fans keeps the fans off their back 100%. While they just keep rolling the money. Hence why Solskjaer got the job. I hope Solskjaer yeah. does brilliant. Of course I, I do. That's why you got I don't job. have high hopes for him, but I wouldn't blame him for it, ultimately. Mm. You know, that's that's just my personal opinion. I wouldn't be too confident for him, but it's not, I don't think it's going to be, it wouldn't be entirely his fault, is mm. what I'm trying to say. So it'll be, it's it's interesting. But Wan-Bissaka, I suppose, sticking to United for a second, Wan-Bissaka is very advanced by all accounts. The two clubs are getting together. It looks like they're close to a fee, and obviously he'll be... It looks like it's going to be a done deal. Yeah. So as we talked off air again, they, they've bought two young players at the moment. Yeah. They've signed Mata for that little bit of experience. Yeah, interesting. But it will be interesting because the, the players who everyone can see aren't at the level are still there so yeah, yeah so interesting but we'll talk more probably rumours after the break yeah because yeah but just to finish on you know yeah I'd agree with you I think it's right to have the mix um, and Mata potentially is the mix but yeah if they can get somebody in who's been there and done that now on top of one or two young ones as a, it's just upgrades at the minute baby steps upgrades and be comfortable in that top form. Be comfortable in competing with the guys and I think fans will be happy with that for you because mm-hmm. it's you're not going to overturn somebody like Man City in a year Simple as that. The question is, can they do it with Woodward and the Glaziers there? <sighs> that's the fear. That's the yeah, biggest That's problem. the fear. Anyway, uh, more uh, rumour mill coming up after this. Tune to Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. Yes, it is Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. This is myself, Dave and Roy here in the big kickoff. Neil Farouja of UCD and under 20 success is staying in Ireland for at least another season. Um, he is moving to Shamrock Rovers. Oh, um, Preston Borough and a few others were all interested impressive winger um, but he wants to finish off his studies for the last year with his biomedical science degree so he's moving to Rovers so they can clean up and earn a nice few quid next season <laughs> they've done that before that's a smart that's a smart <laughs> thing to do though isn't it of course it is and, and credit to him like he'll be 20 slash 21 and has a nice fancy degree sitting, sitting in his back pocket as well and he can potentially go off and earn some riches so Good luck to him, and I'm delighted. And yeah, if he keeps doing what he's doing, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll come back next summer. Simple as that. We like to do a little bit for charity here, so I'm just going to make a pledge to you people of the world. Get out your credit cards and your uh, bank cards, and when you go on to Israel Faleo's GoFundMe page, yes, disgraced Australian rugby uh 
player Israel Folau, who was uh, dismissed from Australian rugby for his homophobic rants and stuff. He set up a GoFundMe page because he needs to raise 1.8 million for his legal battle to help in his bid to seek reinstatement with Australian rugby. So give all you can, folks, because God love him. He needs to get back. And what Especially is, with Pride coming up and all. What is the situation now? I believe Fiji were looking to take Ah, oh, and Rugby League, there, there's, there's, there's plenty of takers. He's, he's no problem. But yeah, he set up a GoFundMe page there for people. I'd love to see how much he's, he, he'll raise. Uh, scarily, he'll probably, he'll probably raise a few quid. You wouldn't know. There might be people who have his similar beliefs. But yeah, seriously cheeky. Uh, 1.8 million he needs to raise for his legal costs. Unbelievable. That is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, the give World what Cup you can. 2022, there's discussions about it being moved. I would not rule this out yet. I'm not trying to be controversial here, but I would not be surprised if this is still, that's still a chance. Because of the whole Platini thing. Because Platini was it taken open in up and, and could be in big trouble after. He, he was already banned for eight years, I think, yeah. wasn't he? So, he's been brought in... They say arrested, but he hasn't been charged with anything yet. It's just the talk and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, there's already smoke there and a little bit of fire. It'd be a bit it's like Armstrong. Once yeah. it looks like he's in trouble, he'll sit back and go, right, what do you want to know? Yeah. I'll bring them all down. Leave me alone. And that's that's why I would, if I was your blatters and if you were, even feckin' Infantino, he was well up with FIFA at the time. Delaney's. Yeah, no, it, it, you know, they, they all should be a bit worried now. If, 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 if they've got enough to bring him in and to bring him down, he will sing no problem yeah. and bring them all down. And that's when it could all go, diddies up for them. And all of a sudden, yeah, the likes of your England or America's people with ready-made stadiums could easily go ahead with it. You know, it happened before due, due to a disaster. It was, they woke up in, I think there was an earthquake in 85 in Colombia and Mexico took it on the year after. That's it can right. be done. That's right. It can be done. And plus, Europe need to get their finger out now and sort out the fixtures because I think, because it's in November, December, I think it's two seasons before that they need to start starting a bit earlier to finish a bit earlier or okay. and all that because it's going to affect two or three seasons of football. It's not just going to be one. Yeah. So that's coming up soon. So you never know. It could get to that point where they might find it, find it out. But Qatar paid a lot of money. Qatar will probably bring people down as well if, if, if it doesn't go that way yeah, as well. Yeah, I'm sure it's not going to be just that easy to exactly. take it away. Exactly. Qatar could go, whoa, we've paid a lot of money for this and we're still paying a lot. What's going on here? They yeah. could, it could get very nasty. Yeah, and of course with the death toll from... The builders yep. who are living in yep. unsavory conditions oh, and yeah. nine died in accommodation, not on the site, Christ. not from accidents, in accommodation. So, should they hold their passports and everything? Just, it's literally it's, once you're there, you're there. It definitely shouldn't be. Definitely shouldn't be there. It's it's in the middle of nowhere with a country that never cared about football, and all of a sudden they're in the Copa America. <laughs> um, and apparently, like all the grounds, like the the country's side, like. It's a 40 to 45 mile square radius. All the grounds are going to be within. So all the fans that are going to go, it's not going to be millions compared to other places, but that's a seriously small space. Yeah, yeah. And in a Muslim state, I tell you, the English, if they'd want to have a very small, kind, nice group of uh, fans that go over there now because that, that, could, that could get nasty Good. very quick. Right, I'm back in here because ah. my, my phone froze there and I had a story so I got it up on the computer anyhow. So, yeah, this yeah, is interesting. Emiliano Sala. Yeah. Detectives investigating the death of footballer Emiliano Sala have arrested a man on suspicion Jeez. of manslaughter by unlawful act. We don't really know any more than that, though, at the moment. And yeah, like, what the, is the theory behind it? I'm not actually sure. And, and I mean, the family have been screaming 
for an investigation yeah. for ages. So do the family know something that we don't know? Is there something with Nantes? That, like, did Nantes force the, the transfer? There was a couple of strange rumours and stuff of potential people who uh, kind of criminal background, not necessarily owned his rights or whatever, but there was rumours of stuff like that floating around and that's why this move had to come about and stuff like that. Not necessarily with the player, but maybe with the club and what have you. And I'm not sure, 100%. It was just, it just memory serves me that that was one of the rumours at the time when mm. loads of crazy stuff was going out there. Um, but yeah, they've from very early on, they were like, something's gone wrong here. This It's not just a, a cheap, dodgy plane and a kind of retired pile. It wasn't just, they, they always thought there was something a bit more sinister. So... There's obviously enough there to bring it to court. Yeah. They don't just bring anything to court no, without having something no. there. Uh, yeah. yeah, listen, that, it, that's going to be an interesting uh, yeah, one. Yeah, so watch the space because obviously you're going to eventually find out why or where the, the evidence has come from for in order to, to bring a charge on somebody. So yeah, yeah it's this is, this crazy is, stuff. This is like an, an hour documentary on the History Channel yeah, and in you know 10 it. years' time. Yeah, you know? Exactly, and everyone's going to be talking about it. Just a quick one in relation to Craig Bellamy. Remember he re- he quit Cardiff after there was rumours of, well not rumours, there was an accusation of bullying yes. with the under-18s. He has now taken over as coach of under twen- of the under-21s with Anderlecht. He's going to be under Vincent Company's oh. uh, new staff. Bellamy? Yeah, Craig Bellamy. That's a risk, isn't it? He's not, he is. Because I was thinking, why Bellamy? And I was like, oh, he probably would have played with him because he's been there for 10 or 12 yeah, years at Man City. Yeah. So he'd be a good teammate. He swears blind, it never happened. He, it was probably at the point where it's like, well, I'm going anyway, that's fine. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. This is from the fellow who chased John Aaron Arisa with yeah, a golf club. With a golf club. <laughs> 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 yeah, we believe you. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to justify the guy here, but I'm just saying that's, that is what it is. Excuse me, yeah, it was a funny one. Um, and just a very quick one as well in relation to VAR. What did you make of that uh, Scottish uh, panel last night? Did you see it in the end? The yes, footage? For the Women's World Cup against Argentina. Where they paused the ball. Like Basically, they were treating it up, all looking do- done and dusted. They weren't necessarily guaranteed qualification because it's like the old school 1990 World Cup and there was 24 teams where there's six groups of four, the top two in each go through, so that's 12, and then the four best third place teams. Yeah. So the win would have put them at the moment in that four, and then tonight's fixtures would have decided where they do yeah. win. So it wasn't guaranteed. The win wasn't enough. Like, they needed one or two things to go their way. So anyway, Trina up, looking very pretty, and all of a sudden, one goal, two goal, and then the third one comes in, and keeper makes a great save. It looks like it's done and does a 3-2, and all of a sudden, earpiece, finger to the oak, and all of a sudden, they, they show it. God love her. She didn't even make a full step. It was just she was in the step, like because they show where the foot literally is about to hit the ball. She's she's just leaning at that moment. Yeah, it's not even a full step out, and they make them retake it. And of course, the Argentinians put it in and three all. Did you see it from? They showed two different angles. Okay, one it looked like she was off her line. The other one it didn't look like she was off her line. Well, the one I was looking at today, it's that was from the side on high up. Yeah, angle. That's not off our line. The yeah. one from behind the goal looks like it's off our line. But then I'm thinking, are they pausing it a millisecond Possibly. after? You know, the ball, she has touched the ball and maybe the ball is just slightly yeah. starting to move because you couldn't really see from that angle. But, but there's a team going home, you know. Now, um, the World Cup always has matches that go to penalties. So yeah. there's no doubt that women's World Cup is going to be the same. Are is they every going penalty going to gonna go up to the... Yeah, there's go- uh, they have to have the same level, you know, consistency. And it's I can't see it happening. It could turn farcical. Yeah. I, but I can't side. see it happening. I can't see but it. But the Premier League that. came out straight away today and went, they will not go to VAR for any penalties. 
like oh, in, in relation to encroaching. They just went absolutely not, not a danger. It's not going to happen. Um, the very interesting uh, tweet I seen the other day. I took a screenshot of it, but it's me phone's down there. It's out of reach, but I remember it anyway. Somebody put it up and going, uh, football need to put the trust back. Like basically, they shouldn't use. They should only use VAR after the ref makes a decision, and it's to confirm. Like, either to rule it in favour or against. Yeah. Like, i.e., the ref can't just let something happen and go, what do you reckon, VAR? Oh, yeah, it was definite. No, you make the call, and then if you're not sure, yes. then VAR yeah. will go, yeah, right decision, wrong decision. That's it. That's Instead it. of, yeah. and the ref should always make the, oh, Penno, well, that's what, oh, I'm not sure, you I might think die. we all thought that that's the way it was going to be, and it's yeah. evolved into this, the referee. They're making the decisions. The referee is really the VAR. Yeah. And they're starting to not ref the game now. Yeah. Going, I'm Gary, I'm covered. So it's very much like, look, you ref the bloody game, but if all of a sudden you have doubt, press the button or whatever and go, I'm not sure, did it hit the hand? Did Was it a dive? I'm not sure. It was. It happened so quick. It looks like a penal. Give me one second, whatever the ref's name is. Yeah, definitely contact. Yeah, he tripped him up. Good call. Yeah. Job done. So the referees should still be the referee. Exactly. Um, because they refer to the way they do it with cricket. What about a situation where the referee, the ball goes into the box, the referee can't see it, someone puts their hands down and, and scoops the ball away. And that's the discussion I had today with one of the lads in the job. And he's like, well, he says, no, I understand what you're saying, Dave, but what about like when there's an off-the-ball instance where a player might punch somebody or elbow somebody? Mm. And I'm like, oh, I, know, I have no issue with that. If there's something that's blatantly uh, a, a, a wrong this, like act in the game, I would have no issue. Uh, just, by the way, we just seen it while we're watching it here. Roy's after knocking <laughs> he's after clocking him off the ball you wouldn't mm. have seen it no problem a bit like they do in rugby where they listen we're after seeing a really bad tackle here I've no issue with that but in the general run of play or whatever leave it to the ref let, let him make the call yeah. and then if there's a doubt sorry lads can you just have a quick look at this I'm not sure Yeah, within reason not constantly and you see in the rugby it says is there a reason why I shouldn't give this try perfect so it'll be goal Perfect. And then they give him a reason. Yeah, this is the reason, yep. boy. Okay, thank no, you. No, perfectly good. Because that's right. what that's what the guy referred to. Because obviously he was probably watching the Cricket World Cup where he said in cricket, re, the, the, uh, the umpires always make the call, but sometimes they'll go, what's the story? And then the guys look at the delivery and go, yeah, it's fair. Yeah, it hits the bat force. Yeah, or the snickers or the snicko or whatever they call. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Overruled. Or So the referee is asking the question because he's refereeing the yeah. game and he's asking the question, for that little bit of help yeah. he's not waiting for trust yourself make the call and if there's a bit of doubt ask the question and that's where I think it should go and that's where I think you or I or the punters who are watching at home will accept it more instead of letting everything happen mm. and then all of a sudden right lads what happened well you were watching the game you tell me you know just be like video assisted referee yeah, that's what exactly, it should be exactly. so anyway it's still a work in progress, but I really hope it gets better at, soon. Because, yeah, because I'm starting at the to get moment, worried. I'm starting to yeah. fall out of favour. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm starting to. Unfortunately, as we talked about last week, even goal celebrations, um, you know, goals are being VAR'd and then people aren't celebrating the way they should be celebrating. It's all, it's all a bit flat at the moment, but they can still they have a chance to pull it around. But you know, uh, it's looking bleak in my opinion. But I yeah, hope they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, listen. Some Irish players who will be on the move this year. Glenn Whelan. We're going to play a little game here, just quickly. Who do you think Glenn Whelan uh, should go to? What's his kind of target? Uh, I'm trying to think. Thirty-five years. Trying of to age. think of a retirement home eleven or something. <laughs> ah, no. Um, championship is still his level at the end of the day. Now we have a couple of clubs suggested for them. Pundit Arena did a little. 
sort of suggestion for each of these players. So suggested. who do you think they would have suggested? Glenn Whelan. If you get one out of four teams or five teams that they have, oh, yeah, get a point. Ah, uh, Preston. Preston's where all the Irish go. Oh, Celtic, Stoke, oh, Sunderland and Huddersfield. Yeah. So, it's, it, it's, it's probably a good call, that, isn't it? Yeah. I'd say the Stoke thing's probably put in there because, you know, yeah, it's Stoke. I wouldn't go to Celtic because I don't think he'd play all that much. No. Because, obviously, Scott Brown, that's his role, and he's not going to move him out of the way. James McLean. Oh, you haven't seen it. James McLean. I would say either Cardiff, Huddersfield. <laughs> <laughs> or Notts Forest. Or Notts Forest, but Celtic, because all the Celtic fans never stop harassing them, going, when are you coming up to Celtic? When are you? Oh, I think he probably suit Celtic. Of course he would. I think he would. It, it, um, it, it's nice and physical But there. what's worrying there is, they're all bloody championship sides. This is it. So what does that say about our players? Callum yeah. O'Dowder. They're probably all championship sides again, unfortunately. Um, He's 24, Villa. though. Yeah, Villa would be a good, probably a good move Derby. Him, wouldn't Borough. None Leeds, of them. Ah, Borat. Yay. <laughs> uh, Borat, Norwich. Again. Bormit, yeah, I, I take Bormit. They're logical, aren't they? Bormit play a nice game of ball. He's he's a nice player. It, it could, uh, Scott Hogan. Oh, Jesus, anywhere. Scott Hogan for you. I, Just get a game anywhere. Because he needs to play. Yeah, get badly. a game anywhere. Because he had great know form at Brentford. Sunderland probably would be the idea. Are they on that list? I don't know. Are we getting Sky here or something? No. Brentford, Charlton, West Brom. Go back to Brentford. Fulham. But I do think, obviously you want him at the highest level possible, but at a level where he's going to play. Go yeah, as it. long as he's getting games, simple as that, he needs it. Yeah. Badly. Okay, Harry uh, Arthur, because Harry oh. has drifted from top class to mid-table, yeah. Paul Pogba, uh, obviously was opening his mouth in Japan about potentially wanting to go yes. elsewhere all this crap <laughs> it goes back to the uh, to the newsreader in Sky Sports News and the first stat they put up is the percentage of time he walked on the pitch and he was number one so, yeah, number yeah. five Harry, Harry Arthur. Arthur yeah and does that say something but if you watch him and a lot of Ireland centre midfielders there's no such thing as a press anymore with Irish players. It's get in and cover the gaps. Don't make me go after yeah, but something. He's not playing for Ireland, though. He's playing for but Cardiff no. But he's obviously doing the same thing in his clubs yeah, now, and yeah. that's why he's, he's quick into the gaps and faking, looking busy almost. Um, so him, oh, uh, yeah, I'd say it's championship level. Unfortunately, probably yeah. Fulham, Fulham Villa, Stoke, Villa Jared. though. Yeah, I just can't yeah. see it. I just can't see it. I think he has to go back to the championship and rebuild yeah. himself again because if Bournemouth I keep forgetting Villa have gone up. Yeah. <laughs> If Barmouth haven't taken you, then yeah, you'd probably think. Now, one of our brighter sparks, Callum Robinson. Do you class him as a striker? I know we played him out in the wing. He he is a a top man. Is he is he up front? I kind of class him as someone who plays in behind a striker. Yeah, fair enough. Or the wing. I don't know if he's an out and out striker. So Eddie McGoldrick, basically. Well, <laughs> he's he's got great skill. Yeah, he has, He's quick. I think. I don't think he's physically. Especially with scoring from crosses, I don't think he's going to be brilliant at the moment. So, yeah, I think. So, according to this report, they're saying yeah, he's almost too good for the championship. So, they're the clubs that they're probably going to have are, I, I presume, Premiership clubs. So, I'm going to go with Villa. Must be there, mustn't they? I would be shocked if it wasn't Villa. Probably Bournemouth. Uh, One more. Wofford. Ooh, Bournemouth, Norwich, Palace and Brighton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can see that. And we go one more. We go one right, more. Right, come on, talk to me. Kieran Clark. Clark. Now, Kieran hasn't been... End off with Duffy. Get rid of Dunk. 
No. <laughs> Villa. Everyone's going to Villa. Villa are going to have... Villa. Uh, basically, Irish. it's going to be our Irish. Yeah. Like Aston O'Villa. <laughs> you know, so yeah, Aston O'Villa it is. It's, it's crazy but stuff. But it is important for all these players to get out and play. Yeah, at this stage now, you're, I'm not going to be overly picky about whether they're in the Premier League. And obviously, play, if you're in the Premier League, great. But as long as you're playing in the Premier League. Yeah. But as long as they're getting game time, because at this stage, we just need players playing and, and having confidence. Because the more they play, because some of these guys that are playing for us, four or five players aren't playing a lot. And that could be half the reason why they're doing basic stuff that they don't really do. All right, Dennis, give it a rest. Is Dennis coming out here? Yeah, Dennis going to come out. He's not going to be talking about the Irish team, though. Yeah, we're going to let him out of the box, the little, the little terrier that he is, Dennis-wise. <laughs> but yeah, I think sometimes it's not just blaming O'Neill or blaming McCarty. Maybe some of them are just rusty because they haven't played for like three months, but yeah. there they are going against Denmark, and yeah. we're yeah. expecting brilliance. Brilliance from them. Anyway, what does Dennis want to talk about? Well, Sarri has left. He's gone to Juventus. So the rumours so abound for Mr. Lampard. And it came true from an interview from Harry Redknapp that he was highly surprised if, if Lampard doesn't get it and being related it just means there's some sort of contact yeah. there so Dennis Wise had what, a say Dennis? on whether he's ready for a job or not yeah I think that, that gives I think Frank more time you know um, by having the ban the two year ban but uh, you know at the end of the day I think Chelsea are what they're a Champions League team they want to finish in the top four um, they don't want to finish in the top six. I think that's not something that we want. I think as Chelsea fans, you want to be uh, competing at the highest level and winning trophies, you know. So that's, um, we'll only find out in time, you know, what, how it's going to pan itself out. You know, at the moment, you know, because Frank, from a, from a playing point of view, from a personal point of view, everyone loves him at Chelsea, but he hasn't been long in, in coaching, you know, and neither has, has Jody. So, um, slightly worries me a little bit but if they get it uh, I wish them all the luck both of them uh, it's going to be tough for them but um, fingers crossed that um, they do the right thing for Chelsea and, um, and they do well oi oi <laughs> in time I don't really think they've been in the game like yeah do, do you want the job Dennis <laughs> you're not getting it son remember he was at Newcastle wasn't he Millwall did he coach Millwall? But did he not do... Oh, he was the director of football. He took over from Joe Kinnear. So did he actually manage? I thought he was director of football. Did, did Joe did Kinnear he not... went and did the manager, the director of football after. And then Dennis Wise took over from Joe Kinnear. Yeah, anyway. No, that's he, a club he, that's yeah. just... But it just goes to show you. Anyway, it's very much like, yeah, you know, the transfer. I he's not overly convinced, but he doesn't want to say it. No. And he does. He says, "Only time will tell." I love when they say, "Only time will tell." That means, in other words, no one really knows. I have a little bit of an opinion. Yeah. No one really knows. Here we go, and, and then he'll tell you. He told you so. But I, I do. I think. I think. I don't think anyone else is going to take the job, as yeah. in what they're talking about, big managers. Because, as you said, two transfer windows. That's a big. But it's like it's like United now. It comes to a point. Like Abramovich is decent, right? He's mm. decent enough. But it come a bit like United. Whoever you bring in, give him the bloody time now. Mm. Give because I think apparently that's what Sarri was brought in for it because he liked his way he played ball, and bring it in and let's see what happens. But whatever happened happened but, but quite that quickly. Shows it. I mean, I don't think he doesn't give him how yeah. many managers eleven managers. But you'd love last. him to just say right, enough's enough now. Let's let's try and build a bit of an empire again, not just by throwing a billion at it in a year. You know, look at City. It might only happen if he sells the club, which is yeah, yeah, being no, no, at the exactly. Too, but that's so. what they need as well. A bit like you know, proper stability. Back whoever it is for a couple of seasons, and give him and give him a bit of a run. Give yep. him a bit of a run. So it'll be watch this space. Uh, the NBA draft is on tonight. 
Um, we I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. He was the biggest ticket in town. It was very hard to get a ticket for Duke University. Zion Williamson is going number one. There is no other debate. He is in the same caliber as your Jordan, LeBron, and all these guys. So it'll be very much enjoy what potentially you could see in the NBA from next September, October. Yeah. Zion Williams is na- Williamson is his name. I think it's Indiana. I could be wrong. could be New Orleans. I can't remember who the number one pick is, but the Knicks are number three and they're spitting blood because they've been so bad for years and they were convinced every... See, apparently if you're the worst, you don't necessarily get the top pick, but you're in the draw. The, the four worst teams are in the draw every year mm. for the top four picks. And if you're last, you might get your name in the hat twice. But this year, the Knicks had a couple of names in the hat, like their own name in the hat, and they still only got number three. So they're disgusted because they thought they were going to finally get a saviour to try and bring the Knicks back. But Zion Williamson will all be, well, potentially, unless, unless what is it, was it Brian from last week with Golden State? Yeah, unless yeah. Brian gets his hands on him, I think he'll be fit and healthy and he'll be he'll be the next star that they all talk about. Bob, so that's on the Bob, Bob. A Bob. Bob. Oh, God. <laughs> Leave him alone. Anyway, that's it. Plenty coming up. Obviously, African Cup of Nations on this weekend as well. So El Mo, Sadio, and many others are all going to be out there. And we'll in know Egypt. more about the Copa America at that stage too. Yeah, so. are struggling. And the Women's World Cup. So there's still a lot to be sorted. Yeah, they're going to get to the business end before. And we didn't even mention the Aircom League or the draw. Super Bowls the last draw week. for the Champions League and UEFA Cup. How good was Danny Mandrew's strike last week? Unbelievable. It was number one on the Friday. ESPN do the top ten plays of the day. It was number one. Was it? On ESPN, over there. Oh, wait. oh it was a cracker of a game. Oh, it was a super strike. Cracker and crack. it was a good game of ball. It wasn't just... A crap penno, though, in yeah. the first half. <laughs> but it was a good game of football. Plenty yeah. of... Yeah. No, it's happen. definitely on the rise, League of Ireland. Absolutely, and let's hope. And as you said about the draws, whatever about the first rounds, there's a lot of potential big games. I think Cork could play... Oh, no. Crusaders could play Wolves in the second round. I think Cork can play Rangers. Yeah. And there's a lot of potential big gigs if they get into the next I think round. Done Dundalk, Carabag, maybe. Yeah, so. who knocked out Celtic? Did they? Knock oh, out Celtic? before, yeah, 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 they did. So definitely, there's a couple of big games potentially coming up for the guys uh, if they get through their first rounds, uh, respectively. Anyway, yeah. so that's it. Be good. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you again next week. Au revoir.